We are back. We're back. We're back. It's uh, Let's Talk About Cheers. I would call this our non-time-specific, Patrick-centric wow. Cheers discussion. And it is also a part two of the season finale. Oh, just my as, God. Just as the, just as the Cheers right. season finale well, had a part So wait, perfect. should we do a recap? I'll do the recap. Ready? <laughs> Uh, on last episode, uh, on the last episode episode of Let's Talk About Cheers, we covered the season finale two-parter of Cheers, which was called The Showdown Part 1 and The Showdown Part 2, with our guest Patrick McCarthy. Hello. Hello. And we had a fabulous time, but we were left with some lingering questions. Which are the best episodes of Cheers season one? <laughs> all right, all right. Yes. Which, uh, what things? Da, 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 da. Yeah, that's okay, what I was yeah. pointing yeah. at you for. Oh, 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 oh I, I thought you wanted me to go into it. No. Oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> what What are Patrick's favorite season one episodes, and what can he tell us that we don't already know? Da, 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 da. I'm and not sure if that will, was the noise. And will <laughs> like, the Yankees... I'm like coaching the card game. I'm getting it all wrong. I was really scratching my nose. I just want you to know. That was a re- my nose was itchy. And the most important question, which you out there already know the answer to, will the Yankees win mm. game seven and make Patrick's day. Yeah, my very risky on. to be talking about on a Cheers podcast. Yes, yes. true. Because there was uh, in the very first season. Yeah, the Cortelli episode That's the Yankee, right. She's Yankees banging his head band. on the table, right? <laughs> Which was uh, one of our first examples of great, great Cheers physical comedy. That was so awesome. She's diving on him, on yeah. like a spider monkey and banging his head against the bar. So funny. All right, so let's we'll we'll be structured to start, which is um, we have listed our three favorite episodes from season one of cheers and uh this is to you guys have agreed or or you No, we have slightly different ones so matt can go first because he has a better memory okay now now, would you like me to say what my three were yes Uh, and oh my god did that actually just happen did you delete it yeah, I'll go first. I'll go first. It's great. This phone now has a recently deleted section, which it didn't used to, uh, which just saved my life. Uh, <laughs> uh, good night, everybody. Thanks, technology. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, technology. Um, you would have had to go to okay. Mimeo if this was naked. Yeah. My first one was the go to Mimeo. The- yes. go to <laughs> Now we would Why just, didn't we go to Vimeo earlier? Now Mama we would gone. just go to Vimeo. <laughs> go to Vimeo. <laughs> that's that's funny. Uh, uh, my first one was, uh, the, and I don't know if you chose this, but was the pilot. Uh, uh, because so instantly yep. the chemistry existed. For a guest star, uh, Sumner Sloan was, was a great actor and a, and a perfect type. Yes. Uh, uh, I felt like, and, and Jenny pointed out this in an uh, earlier podcast, They there was such building sadness in the fact that you knew Diane was going to leave, mm-hmm. and it was kind of indicative of, of Cheers being okay with sadness in their episodes early mm-hmm, on, mm-hmm. which was part of what made them so watchable which and great. Which is their legacy from Taxi. Yes, Taxi absolutely, uh, you know, any Taxi fan knows that those episodes would, you know... Just break your heart, yes, and so, make so you laugh too. But they were not afraid to do that. And I could easily get off on a tangent and talk about my ten most emotional taxi episodes. <laughs> sure. 
I honestly could. Yeah, no, qu- no question. Of a couple involving Jim Ignatowski that were heartbreaking. Sure. And in this moment, another podcast was born. <laughs> Spinning off infant podcasts. Oh my um, god. Okay, and so that was the uh, uh, just just the the reason for. The I pilot. did not have the pilot, and here's why. Mm. And the only reason I didn't have it is because I just consider pilots wholly separate television shows. They're not the yes, episode. That's true. They are the thing that makes you care about the show or not care about the show. So to me, the pilot is great because I was immediately hooked and wanted to watch Cheers Forever. So to me, that it's almost like unfair to make a pilot an episode. That's a good reason okay. to, to not have it as your but three. But it would be if I had four. Although, although I, uh, uh, one of the reasons I think I chose it as my three is I so often don't like pilots. Like Jenny's even brought up before, like the 30 Rock pilot was like only Just only Alec Baldwin was good. Yeah. Everybody else was awkward and coming into their things. It didn't even feel like the show. Yeah. A lot of shows are like that. Uh, this did not feel like that at all. They were somehow immediately running when they hit the ground yeah. and, and and I loved that. So my so. My- my first episode that I thought was the best was Endless Slumper, which is the one where uh, Sam gives his lucky bottle cap uh-huh. to a baseball player. It's a great and episode. That is you know you learn why. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that is, I think, the one, because that was the first time you really got Sam vocally vulnerable. Ted Danson said on the season one extras of the DVD, he loved the choice that the, the Charles brothers made in making Sam uh, an, an ex-alcoholic. Oh, God, it that was it gave a uh, It gave a sadness to him and to the show that gave it something other than, hey, we're just a wacky sitcom. And, you know, it, it helped give him... Yep. Like uh, a, a backstory yeah, that he could absolutely. work with, and and I was so surprised to see them own that specific sadness so early in in in, in such a dramatic way. I mean, I am the son of an alcoholic, and uh, that moment, and this is also on my list of the, the three best of the season, where uh, you know Diane knows the whole story of the bottle cap. That's the last drink he ever had, right? And he's about to start drinking. He pours himself a beer, yep. and they hold a moment on the beer. And Diane tries to stop him, and he's, you know, Diane, don't. Just just don't. And it feels very, very, very real. And when you're first watching that, you, you think, this could be the episode. This is the episode where Sam falls off the wagon or something like that. And then they use that device where Sam can uh, toss the the uh, the mug around. Slide the, the mug yeah, around, around the corner the, of the bar. Right. Of the bar oh, that's right. To prove that he got his mojo back and that he'll be okay even yeah. without his bottle cap. And the bottle cap for that beer he was going to drink, his new lucky bottle cap. I mean, God, as far as planning well a device done. earlier that was a piece of comedy and using it dramatically, I mean... But you know, it's also like uh, watching, I think one that's going to end up on your guys' three worst list, which, uh, yeah, it had a huge gimmicky premise to it, uh, the one uh, where Diane's mother shows up. Uh, it's on his it. list, not mine, for a very specific reason. Okay, yeah. I'm excited anyway. to hear why. Yeah. But but um, uh, they, oh God, I just completely lost my train of thought. Well, we were just talking uh, about were you, the, uh, Were you talking about Oh, the, oh I know it what it was. I'm thing, sorry. It paid off. Well, the, they were not afraid to play a moment like that in front of a full studio audience. You know, having worked on some multi-camera shows, you know, when you have a studio audience there, it's like they give them candy and they play music and everyone's (laughs) energy is up. And, you know, it's like, hey, we're going to keep the fun going and you're going to laugh three times a page. And, you know, they had the generosity to to, to respect the audience enough to feel like we're going to put on a one-act play here and we're going to do large, you know, segments where our goal is not exactly going to be we're going to make you laugh all the time. You know, we're we, we're 
you know, we're respecting the audience enough to do that. It's hard to believe. I mean, I, I've rarely worked on a show where you've done those. Can I ask of a episodes. dumb multi-camera question? Because sure. I don't know anything about this, but in a multi-camera like that, would they go? Would they run a scene as long as it wasn't a set change? Like, would it be as like a shot like a play with a bunch of cameras rolling at once, and they wouldn't stop unless something went wrong? Because even now on multicams, I don't know the answer to this. Like, I don't know what they do. Generally, it's about the set. Right. Um, but on a show like Cheers, where so much of it was at the bar, you know, it's a good question. I know I've talked to people who worked on, like, Three's Company and Bosom Buddies and, mm -hmm. and Joel Zwick. Who's Hillary's Mr. Television. Dad. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, I've been so lucky in being able to meet writers and and. Uh, actors of shows that I loved. I've just been very, very lucky. I mean, part of it, I think, is that I've been interested enough to sort of be around it. But, right. but lots of people are interested young, enough yeah. to be around it. And I just have so much to be grateful for to have met these people. But anyway, Joel Zwick would tell me, uh, you know, they, they could knock out like a, a, an episode of Bosom Buddies or something in like under an hour. Wow. They, they, because there were only one or two set changes, and you would maybe do two takes or three takes, and that was it. And then. <laughs> wow. And there weren't wow. really reverses. So you weren't stopping to get a you reverse. You often didn't do coverage. Or, yeah. yeah. That's what I found so fascinating. Is that's why I wondered, like, could you almost do it? Like, you're not, like, you couldn't ever have a studio audience be there for the reverses, right? Well, because, yeah, I, I wonder. Well, I mean, you sometimes they shoot pickups after right, the audience after. leaves. Okay. It depends what they want to do. That's but what I was Yeah, on yeah. Cheers, I'm sure that they ran, they, they might have run, like, that scene in Showdown, you know, where they're having their totally, thing yeah. once, you know, and maybe it was like a 10-minute scene, mm -hmm. and then they ran it again, and they ran it again, maybe, if they felt like they didn't have it and that was it you know what i'll also know i also notice is sometimes uh, have you noticed this Je jenny uh they uh, uh there will be little mistakes like coach will say like i, I, I don't understand you know like the way that my dialogue is yeah. where I, it is not smooth and it's not perfect and it's halting in some ways you're the only person that effect. doesn't speak in a perfect way <laughs> i want you to to uh, to know that about yourself like when I lost my train of thought for 30 seconds. <laughs> you were the other person. Yeah. But, but like, I, I will notice that they'll they'll keep that sometimes, yep. those little mess ups. Do yep. you notice that? Yeah. And I, I wonder whether it's like the, uh, yes, yeah. and, and whether it's they don't have another take because they're doing or, the long take or is it the authenticity of it? To be perfectly honest, when the, someone's out of focus, like yeah. there are angles where there are angles and parts of that bar where whoever they're shooting are always out of focus. It's like that, the top table right next to the door if someone's in the far corner there is a 60 percent chance that person's out of focus and i notice it every time because huh. if i was out of focus on a shot i'd get in a lot of trouble like <laughs> and, and i guess it's just if you're shooting like a multicam it's like well shit oh well yeah, you know, could be about uh, no one's going to be looking at that. If we got yeah, a great yeah. performance that yeah. we want, go for the performance. who cares? You yeah. know? And some of it might be like on some of the the DVDs, like on the DVDs that I have, you can see like the lights at the top of the set. Really? Because I, something about the framing yeah. of you know how what it's supposed to look like so what you're watching on your dvd is like outside the frame in which it would have been broadcast if you guys wow. have ever seen that like shows or movies where you'll see like boom mics yeah, or what you're right. watching yeah I, that's I think, crazy i mean because I, I don't know what why there'd be lights up there if that wasn't the case that's amazing yeah. i uh uh so what else matt we have as my final uh over the top three uh because i share endless lumper um coach's daughter 
mm. which uh, to me, did we already talk about this or were we talking about this off the we podcast? We talked about it just a, 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 a tiny bit. Yeah, we talked in the, the previous yeah, uh, the episode. Great scene. Yeah, I just was was uh, blown away by mm-hmm. Coach's emotion yeah. when... when uh, great scene. When Alice Beasley. Da- when Alice Beasley, famous Alice Beasley, is yep. talking about her mother. Uh, she's basically talking about why she's settling for this guy, talking about her mother, and has a line where she says, oh, you, Coach says, you look just like your mother. And she says, yes, and mom was not... She's about to insult coach's wife he says you're beautiful mother. just like you're your beautiful mother. just like your mother Dad, mom, wasn't... Like mom wasn't comfortable with her beauty right and she sort of made that choice not to hurt coach by saying that you see the look on his face yes, that, what, yes. Are like, what are you about, about to say yeah, yeah. i and believe your mother was beautiful the response is that, yeah that's what made her more beautiful mm-hmm. and the, just the cracking in his voice and the true emotion in the yeah. scene it was uh it was also a very funny episode. The the, the guy who played the asshole, uh, uh, Philip Charles McKenzie, I think, yes. right? who, who went who on was, to direct a bit. Did and, he really? Oh yeah, and okay. I shouldn't even say a bit. I think he's directed a lot. And he yeah. was very. He was first off. He was in a lot. Then right. It seemed like he was in a, as oh, like yeah. a guy, a day player in many, many, many things. Sure. And a very, very memorable uh, guest cast from Cheers because I always remember him like, eh, like burning suit, his jacket, yeah. <laughs> right? As a, as right. a jacket salesman. So and yes. The episode where Shelley says the man is pun. <laughs> the yes. man is pun. Yeah. She, I have she to wants say, to give him a chance. Yeah. I like. I have. I don't think I've ever seen a. a like a better season by anybody on a, as an actress yes. oh my God, than what yes. Shelley Long did yes. on that first season of Cheers. She was so good. They were Absolutely. all good. Fresh face, but she but also killed it. Locked in in as an intelligent. A woman of full agency. There was yes. not like you know, like it was amazing to me, and in that that goes back to uh, my second favorite episode, which is "Let Me Count the Ways." Okay, which is the one where her cat dies. Oh, Elizabeth Barrett Browning. The cat. That was isn't that that's the, one of my favorite jokes from that season is where Norm comes over to console her yes. and he's being very genuine they're like Norm game's on and he's like alright dance with me just want to and he starts kind of going back As for the game yes. they're just vicious and also like but to me they're the first of all we had a cat that died like that and we love that cat and so yeah. we were like all in on that episode but that she would ask she would just I need someone to be nice to me about this and listen to me. And like, mm-hmm. I don't feel like there's ever a moment where Diane is not asking for the things she actually needs, which I think is fairly revolutionary mm. for the time. And I don't know where that came from, whether that was direction, whether that was just innately in her, like whether it was just a choice in the room to be like, die, like, you know how you like at a certain point with your characters, you know what their choices are. Like if given a choice, Diane is always going to ask for what she needs or always be on the right mm. side of a social issue or always like you just know your character's choices. And this one is just like, Patrick has also noticed a formula for how that's oh, used. What's that? Uh, well, we had talked about it before. Oh, it's the like one the, where the, the Diane is wrong formula. You know, when I went to see the Charles Brothers, I was sort of thinking, what, like, I was kind of thinking, like, what is the formula that, like, you know, Taxi was so great, Cheers was so great, and trying to figure it out. And I, I don't know if I asked the right question or got the right answer, but, you know, I learned a lot, even having been lucky enough to be writing for a while. But watching that first season of Cheers, and it's like, the, you're, you're, the person 
making the decisions is always wrong. They always make the wrong decisions oh based, on <laughs> based on their flaws. Based on their flaws. So, and it, it made me think there's an episode coming up in season two called Homicidal Ham, I, I, where they bring back Andy, Andy, Andy which Andy. I think, which was, which was a runner-up to my best. That's got to be one of. Yeah, that's got to yeah, be yeah. mostly because of Shelley, but also just because of the the plotting. I mean, get, someday if I, you know, when my time for my second act, which will probably be six months from now. <laughs> Uh, I was like, maybe I could like I'd be interested in teaching or something. That that episode I would I oh would that teach was that because was... it's just perfect. You know, Sam makes the gamble or believes. Oh, she's talking about me. I'm the perfect. I'm the perfect guy for her. Wrong. He's wrong. <laughs> yes. Then he now uh, he he could say to her at that point when he finds out that she has brought a date for him. Diane, I made a terrible mistake. Uh, you know, when you said you were bringing a date, I, you know, I didn't think you were going to show up with anyone because you were saying I was the perfect date. I've made a mistake. I admit it. Let's figure something else out. But because he's a comic character, he doubles down <laughs> and he's panicked and he finds someone and scrambles. OK, this will go well. I'll find this guy in the back room. He's wrong again. <laughs> That's a complete disaster. Yeah. At which point he finally has to admit it. That it's like Diane in the uh, really episode is. of... Uh, where with um, the guy who comes in? Oh 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 oh! Uh, 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 it, the um, the spy who came in from yes, the cold. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Well, she, she is, is certain that he's a liar, and she, and she leads the charge him. for it. Yes, yeah. yeah. Just completely calls him out on it, and is so wrong that is her decision. Yeah, and then doubles down yes. when she realizes. Oh, realizes she made a terrible mistake. He was just a guy trying to find you know friends in a bar, trying to make something more of his life. And when he says that he is a uh, uh, a writer, a famous poet, yes. and is quoting lines of poet, she calls in a favor. She believes wrong him back. Again. Wrong again. <laughs> Always wrong. That is great. Um, and then, so my third one and, and and Matt's third one diverge because, and we diverge more in the episodes we hate, but. Uh, my third favorite was now pitching Sam Malone, which is the one oh. where he gets the television, the, the commercial agent, and she's oh, that's a, a great one, yeah, home wrecker. Uh, and that was in my runner-ups too. Yeah, I and, so love that. And one. I love that one because it's actually a story about two different women. Mm -hmm. It's not really about Sam. I mean, mm -hmm. Sam gets his heart broken. And he talks to Diane about it, but it's really about a young woman and an older woman confronting the kind of relationship choices, and the older woman being like like honest as hell i won't say honest af but honest <laughs> as hell about uh what her choices are in a really rough and tumble world i, I remembered i told matt that moment where she says you know don't judge me someday the bloom will be off your rose yeah and they just let it play mm -hmm. you yeah. know again you've got a full studio audience and you know they're just okay. We're just gonna let yeah. that moment. And, and, that moment and the great thing about that was how in in those interactions they made her not the mustache twirling villain. No, I mean you understood that attitude. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, I thought that was so great, so nuanced. So those are my favorite three. Okay, and then my, did you have a different uh, third? I, I no, but I uh, I had a couple honorable mentions, which some of them were your your uh, yours that you've already said. Um, that was Let Me Count the Ways, right? You love. That was my honorable mention. That's one with the cat. Uh, yeah. Oh, Diane's so Perfect Date, which, which, Holy which crap. Uh, Patrick brought up with Andy Andy. And, Those uh, are the ones uh, that like the line readings are just like 
from the time I was like 10, just the, the, the way she your said that. Yes. They're so funny. <laughs> yes. and Je- just Je- a great bit. Oh. Jenny and I were talking about a particular favorite uh, is is when uh, Diane is so upset, like, ha, ah, you were beastly to me that you would do this for a kind of prank. Why you would ever? And he was like, no, 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 you don't understand. I I, I found a guy in back. I I, I was embarrassed. I, I thought you were coming. We were, we were going to be each other's de- de- uh, dates. I, 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 I yeah. paid him. I paid him, Diane. She's like, you paid a murderer to spend the evening with me. <laughs> and just oh. her precision, the precision mm-hmm. she has with words. You hired a yes. murderer to spend the night. Oh. You know, like, yes. <laughs> that's where like the word like seepage or mm-hmm. pond. Uh, the way she hits them. It's like uh, oh, it's beyond so board good. hitting a, a volley in Wimbledon. You know? oh, it really yeah. Is. Just it like really oh, is. It's, it's just. Great. Also, honorable mention, I had part two of the show down just yeah. for that final uh, sure. uh, fight that we talked about and how when, you know, it was virtual, so performance it was for the both of them. And then for me, I loved as a kid when I first saw it, and I love it now just for the plotting of it and the introduction of a very game and talented Harry Anderson. Not the introduction, but the introduction is a major character that wasn't just doing a bit on the show. Yeah. Was pick a con, any con, uh-huh. where Coach, as we talked about in a previous episode, was being conned by who he thought was his friend, and they, you know, uh, collude with con man Harry Anderson, local con man, to get the money back. I mean, if you can't see why that guy was going to be a star, just watch watching that episode yep. he was he was just so funny yeah and uh you completely get why he wound up having such success later in life mm-hmm. yeah so then my three least favorites were uh minus one bit at the end which uh, we all loved any friend of diane's where diane's friend comes to visit and and likes sam and oh wants julia to go out duffy yeah julia duffy the jewel the way they made julia duffy play it was so dull right and i don't think she's a dull actress i just think if they made a choice to make her duller than diane right this was early before they made her like well, well, wasn't part of it though that she was supposed to be so repressed yes and now she's like i'm right. gonna just like but let it, it all just hang out. was an example yeah. of a guest it, star it, sinking an episode it was, it was she little... was that's what they were going for is like yes yeah. as i read russian poetry and i haven't been with a, i want to be yes. with a barbaric you know like yeah. have a great right sexual experience but the bit but at that... the end the physical comedy at the end where they're just they like diane goes to punch sam and he gets her they fall down on the couch it's like priceless and elevates the whole episode and and, uh uh i kind of look at that as because that is also on my uh, bottom three even though i like julia duffy and uh newhart you know i thought she was so good she i i was lucky i was lucky enough to work with her once and uh she is just about the funniest person I've ever yeah. worked yeah, with. I, mean, I thought she, she was great. Yeah, really she had, uh, yeah, it wasn't I had, a great I had, conceit. I had a big uh, crush on her. Um, but uh, yeah, for, 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 for this was sort of an example because she was playing a similar type to Diane. And I know she's playing repressed and playing depressed too. Uh, but like was an example of if you put any other actress in uh, uh, Shelley Long's place. I do not know that if that, that 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 this show goes on to become because she was playing an intellectual too to become this this you know nuclear bomb of pop culture this the, 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 that we forever remember you know yeah. So then my other two that I didn't like as much and this is hard because every yeah. one of these has great stuff. Yeah, but it's in it. none of these are bad hearing episodes. like a yeah. female perspective yeah. that I wouldn't necessarily think to what you're responding to is how the women are being portrayed on the show. Which so uh, you right know, mm-hmm. so. Very male-centric world of writing. Exactly. At the time. At the, at the time. time. 
the boys in the bar, even though uh-huh. Diane is fantastic in it and being on the right side of of acceptance of gay people, mm-hmm. and even though uh sam is the man in the middle and does a great job with his journey just over the course of that episode even though i know they were writing the lunkheads in the bar to be the people who were on the furthest side away from accepting gay people as real people in the 80s i still found today the even though it was intended to be the extra level of ham-handed homophobia yeah didn't play well and the funny thing is it was intended not to play well in the 80s so you can only imagine how not well it plays in the 2017s right that was an example of those guys would have all been funny in their homophobia in yeah. the 80s and now even the funny careful homophobia that they wrote in that episode it just hits you like a yeah brick. and in the yeah. culture of boston i was laughing at it you know right. what i mean when like you back first saw then, it, yeah. but it was Which also 1982 you know, yeah, 83 and it was just i, I don't yeah you know. and that episode's revolutionary if you yeah. really think about it sure so it gets the credit but it's hard to watch now it's it kind of scary to watch. Because, you don't want to think about yes the guys you love in the bar that's exactly having it. that yes, attitude yes yes well that because as we mentioned in our previous episode the next time norm came into the bar i was like ugh norm right <laughs> because he had been sort of the ringleader of this sort of like homophobic I, group of boycotters and I was of like, cheers. no don't talk that way about norm yeah, yeah. we love norm give norm another chance <laughs> and, <laughs> and then he's this iconic lovable character of television because he's a victim of the times in that episode just the other one i didn't like was friends romans and accountants and oh. I, I can't quite tell why i don't remember well, it's one of the few like, like later on it, uh, having been lucky enough to know some writers at Cheers, it was sort of like if you were handed like, it, with all due respect to George Went, like you're going to write the Norm episode, it would be like, Ugh. like I don't want to have to write the, <laughs> right. the one rare episode where like Norm has an A story or you know Cliff <laughs> yeah. who's hysterical. Yeah. You know, I, I want to write the Sam and Diane one. I want to write the one where they're going at it, right. not yeah. And that it yeah, just that felt definitely like but, too offshooty, particularly so early on where. Uh, uh, Norm hadn't come into his own in terms of who we didn't really know who Norm was yet. I don't think Norm knew who Norm was. He was like, I'm nothing. I'm nobody. Uh, I kiss my boss. That's not necessarily who Norm became, you know, like he was somewhat of a uh, even though he he was always very self-deprecating. He had a confidence to him and a swagger that I think came after that episode. Yeah. All right. I want to hear Matt's least favorite because we disagree on one of them. Okay. Okay. well, I had uh, I had any friend of Diane's. I agreed. I had um, I had one for the book, which was a tough one because there were elements to that which were nice. This was this was the one where there were strangely uh, the cast was divided by by well or the show was divided by two guest stars. Like a guy came in with really like uh, googly eyes who was going to be a monk, and it was his last night. Okay, uh, and then another World War One vet came in. And was going to meet all his buddies from World War One and for a regular reunion. And the World War One aspect of it was pretty Touch good it. and a very great bit with you know like we're here Lafayette and Diane yeah. goes into the bar goes into oh. the back and he's in his underwear you don't see it but um, but just the fact that there were two guest stars it just sort of watered it down and one and of them it wasn't like good was again one yeah. of them wasn't good but one of the theories of uh when cheer- getting cheers on the air was the stories are going to walk into the bar you know one of the hardest things about 
any TV writer will tell you is story. It's the hardest yep. thing. You drive yourself crazy. We need more stories. The way TV works where you, in the old days anywhere, where you needed 22, 24 episodes, it's like, how the hell are we going to find another story? But in, with Cheers, just like Taxi, it was, this is a place someone can walk into the garage. Mm-hmm. Someone can walk into the bar. And this may go in the last episode we were talking about where the guest stars came from. I think that's part of it. Here comes this guy who seems to be a spy. What's it's up true. with him? Right. And it Here can work and be brilliant. Julia yeah. Duffy to see mm-hmm. Diane. People just walk, as opposed mm-hmm. to if your main set is like the living room of a house. Well, it I guess you could still have people inch, come yeah. over, but for the most part, it's, it's going to be next door neighbors or not. It's It has to be Do you think that became less so as time went on uh, uh, within this series because they knew with all of their regulars, they had so many popular characters, so they needed to revolve around guests. Get, the, 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 the man walks into a bar less so as... A, they're, they're, they still had great guest stars yeah. and they used them to great great effect, but like I just wonder if once they realized they had lightning in a bottle, not just in, you know... Uh, Sam and Diane, but and Norm and Cliff and stuff like that. They knew had they had all these things to play with. They didn't need it as much anymore as they did in the first season. I guess we'll see. As Probably, we I'm yeah. curious to see myself. Yeah, you know? uh, but but. Uh that might be true. Like they expand the world of the show. So like later seasons, they find Woody. Well, Woody's yep. got a girlfriend. Woody's girl. There's a rival for Woody. And mm-hmm. then blah, yes, so exactly. those people yep. kind of come in. Yep, it makes you sense. you got Frasier coming in. Yeah. I mean, Lilith. I can't yeah. wait to Lilith, see that. Oh, I, think, I, uh, I think that's that. second season, right? The first Frasier. <laughs> I can't yeah. wait. That's going to be great. Uh, and then this is the one that uh, I don't think we want to just, we don't disagree hard. I had someone single, someone blue uh-huh. where uh, Diane's mother, we talked about in the most recent podcast or, or two podcasts ago. Uh, comes in, she's going to lose her fortune because she's made a bargain with uh, 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 Diane's late father uh, that uh, if Diane's not married, it sounds like a bad movie. If Diane's not married in 10 years, uh, Diane's mother will lose all of her money, will lose her estate. And so Diane has to find a paper marriage, somebody who's willing to do that uh, uh, in order for her mother to keep the money. And she settles on Sam and hijinks ensue. Which... the reason I don't like it is because it literally demeans one of the most naturalistic romantic arcs, like one episode before it has its climax. Like you shouldn't ever put your two characters who are just getting to know each other in a potential marriage situation. Like, ugh, it just, that wasn't good. But the reason it's not one of, on one of my worst episodes is literally just because Glynis Johns is in it, who oh. was in Mary Poppins as the mother of the oh, Bankses. She's funny in it. She's so funny She did, in it. It. She she did, did do a very good job of the role. It was, it was actually, all well, everybody it was, a, it was well yeah, acted. It was yeah. an example of guest star elevating an otherwise yes. sticky it episode. was a, yeah. you know at, at a certain point in the season you're like oh my god this isn't the greatest story but it's monday and we have to we have yeah. to figure it out let's just commit to it and try to make so uh, that was a crazy bad comedy premise there's even a moment where diane says why didn't you tell me about this in the last 10 years yes she was like well joke. when you're having fun yes yeah. i mean <laughs> grieving or you yes, mean grieving, I mean, grieving. You know? good yeah. memory yeah, yeah. <laughs> i just that one I watched this morning. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So no, I'm not that super nerdy. Um, but yeah, it was. So she just having her there and and like 
the play of her most famous character in Mary Poppins is as a suffragette. Like she's Stop. a votes for women person in the in the late 1890s, or early 1910s or whenever Mary Poppins takes place. Then to have her be like in this weird feminist subjective, like if I don't marry off my daughter, yes. I'm going to lose all my money. It's like a real dark turn on that character. But having said that, like my feeling about the first season, it would be very hard for me to say, even though I love Diane's perfect date so much and I love the pilot. I mean, but like watching that season partly because I haven't seen it in so long and partly just fascinated with what the first season of Cheers was like, uh, it would be hard to say like, oh, these are my three worst because even in in that episode, which has a crazy sticky premise that I'm sure they were like, eh, we don't love this either. The moment of now Sam and Diane are going to get married and the, and the, the idea that, all right, you know, uh, don't worry. We're not going to get emotional about this. It's just a transaction, blah, blah, blah. And you're laughing already because you, you know are. that's not going to, you know it's not going to work out. They Then they have a, a minister who starts saying, uh, you know, marriage is one of the most sacred of all human uh, commitments and we take it very seriously. It's a gift. And you see Shelley and Ted to start to kind of like you think about this and the look on Diane's face is priceless as it starts to register. Then they bring in some like bombshell who walks in and <laughs> yes, Sam kind of head turns for a second. And now they funny. start fighting and she says, uh, and I wrote it down because it was just another great line reading of, uh, I may not have been, I may not be asking for 50 years of love, honor and obey, but it would be nice if you didn't drool during the ceremony. <laughs> you know, True. And then they start fighting it out. And the, oh, and the and the fight was very good. The uh, the uh, butt out, mom. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, that's the thing about choosing that you at least for this season. And again, the they're three... wrong. They they they, <laughs> they say we can make this just a transaction. We're not going to get emotional. <laughs> yeah, right. And they make the wrong choice. They make the wrong choice. They make the wrong choice because of their flaws. This season's you're absolutely right. Uh, uh, even when you're watching those episodes that are like for you boys in the bar or yeah. for me, uh, anyone ones I've list- listed. Uh, uh, by process of elimination, your three least favorite episode, you're not experiencing something unpleasant as you are when you're watching a no, show you don't like. So much That's other good how stuff good the show around. is. Yeah. Even the even the episodes that you 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 put on the bottom are still enjoyable to watch. Yeah. Because of the high bar that they that the show is setting, and I don't know if I'm wrong because I haven't revisited all these things. I uh, like I said at the beginning of this podcast before you could get a box set or before you could stream these things it was catch as you could if they happen to appear in in syndication you catch one here you catch one there there are a lot that i haven't revisited for a while and in my head cheers is awesome all the way till the 11th season you know so it'll be interesting to see if there's any uh or if that is just sort of uh 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 you know my nostalgia overwhelming me, and 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 that it is it, there is a dip in quality. But I don't ever remember Cheers being uh, anything but hilarious. So as we go forward in this, I'm I'm excited to see it. I'm excited to see it grow and change. Yeah, my friend Cheers. My yes. friend Cheers. Okay, so in the last little bit of this show, uh, I would like to specifically ask Patrick some questions about Cheers. Mm-hmm. Okay. So first of all, were you watching it weekly from the beginning? I don't think so. I, I would have been, Cheers came out in 82. I would have been uh, 11. So Not I think really I was a little on... young for it. Uh, but by like 83, 84, I think I was probably watching it. Of course, Thursday Night NBC when we were kids was a big deal. And then yeah. rerunning it. But the, those, I always had a special place in my heart for the Diane years mm-hmm. and those early episodes and how fabulous she was and 
you know, the whole cast, of course, and the writing and the taxi writers and, you know. When I get that question, you know, from Jenny when we were talking about it, that's what I remember. I I remember at a certain time becoming very aware of the sort of Sam and Diane cliffhangers. Uh And as a kid, I must have been watching to some extent because right. I was waiting during the summer to find out what was going to happen. Yeah, it was when like Breaking Bad. Back. You know, yes. you had to wait like eight like months that. to find yes, out what happened. Yes, it was the first instance of that for me. Uh huh. Yeah. So, One thing, by the yeah. way, Jenny, that that struck me as I was looking over my crazy notes this morning was again from that super geeky Museum of Television podcast. Um, the Charles brothers were talking about how Shelley. I say it like I know her. I've met her once, but uh, luckily, but... Uh, I can't believe you met Shelley Long. Well, that's yeah. a story. That's yeah. the next question. That's the next yeah. question. Uh, so she, you know, sort of famously had drama and was like difficult to work with and didn't exactly get along with the rest of the cast. They had a hard time. I mean, I, I heard this from the very beginning. I, I worked with a guy named Tom Palmer, who's terrific. And he was a PA hmm. on a show called Best of the West, which I vaguely remember as a kid. And I've since watched it on YouTube. It's most of the Cheers writers writing it. Oh, really? And it is funny. It, it's it's funny and sharp. And Christopher Lloyd shows up in it a bunch. And David Lloyd wrote on it. Wow. And Chris Lloyd, from the actor from Taxi. We were just noticing noticing that Dave, David Lloyd goes way back too. to God, be yeah. saying, to that was a story that was from the beginning yeah. uh, uh, even in Best of the West difficult to work with well or, the, or, what made me think about this was Tom was saying when he was peeing on Best of the West he went over to a nearby soundstage where they were rehearsing the pilot for Cheers and he was watching it from hmm. the stands and he said that she was being very difficult and and kind of a, a, a pain in the neck the way that you know maybe it was coming from an actorly place I don't mean to talk out of school right, or right, whatever right. but she was a challenge to work with and it, not not but knowing there person. were obvious challenges with the cast later uh, very publicized challenges that that was not hard to believe that that might have been the case. And yeah. even then he sell, he was with like an older producer and they both were like, oh my God, if this gets on the air, she's going to be tough to work with. And from the stories I've heard, tough in the sense of like, she would make people wait. You know, she would wait. Uh, she wouldn't show up on time. She would have extra time in the makeup chair. Things like that other actors, I right. guess, would be like, ugh. I'm I'm having hard time. And I guess she's so good. She's like that ball player you put up with uh, because they're 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 knocking fifty home runs out of the park. So you'll put up with whatever. Oh, certainly <laughs> yeah. they must have known how yeah. good she was. But yeah. uh, the Charleses were like when 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 show night came, she was ready for war. Mm. And it, it made me realize, oh, for some reason, I'm probably dense. I never thought of it this way. But again, when you've got your live studio audience for your multi-camera show, the energy between Sam and Diane, you're already laughing because, you know, <laughs> so they're adults yes, acting yes. like children. And whatever <laughs> yes. they're going to do, try to do this marriage ceremony uh, just just as a business transaction, plan their evening, kiss, meet one of Diane's friends, whatever it is, it's going to go wrong because of the two of them. <laughs> so and true. it's going so to true. be a, a war that it's going to be Sam versus Diane and you're already laughing and you're already enjoying it. You know it's not going to go well. And that that energy on your, you know, fueling your multi-camera show, the conflict that you need for your comedy and your stories, it just, it didn't occur to me that way that, oh yeah, like if you're thinking of it from the writing standpoint, that would, that's what that is would keeping your show it. going. Yeah, As an yeah. audience member, you're just enjoying Sam and Diane. But <laughs> it is like in... Uh, 
in Diane's perfect date, Sam doesn't want to admit, oh my God, I I, I can't let her think that I actually thought that, <laughs> that it was you know, me. That it was me. Yeah. I've got because, you know, that will be the end of it. I got my pride at stake and I have to scheme <laughs> yeah. and do everything. And you totally and, bought that, you know? Yeah, like, you're just yeah. not thinking about it. But it was war, you know. So here's what I would say to yeah. that, and I would I know nothing about it. Mm-hmm. And all I would say is that if you were playing a character like Diane Chambers, who was always right mm-hmm. and who was I mean like always thought she was right and then generally was always on the right side of the social issue Yeah, if there was a social issue on Cheers Diane was the one who was on the right side she was the it. conscience yeah. of the bar she was the conscience of the bar but she was also hands down a different kind of strong woman than even like Carla was the strong woman who was one of the boys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. So they all accepted anything Carla had to say because she was a hard ass Boston mother of four. And that was an acceptable archetype because Carla was not blonde, young and attractive. Right. But if you were blonde, young and attractive, not just within the show, but outside the show, your life was not easy because you were also expected to be pliant and dumb. <laughs> and so I and could she was imagine right in the face of all that. Yeah. yeah, and like think about it. She came from Fort Wayne, Indiana, Shelley Long, uh-huh. right? And she was like the daughter of a guy who worked at a rubber factory or something. I don't know. Like there's no Hollywood. She's not like a Hollywood child or anything like that. She was in Second City, which mm-hmm. I didn't know. I didn't know that, that either. Um, in and Chicago? She, yeah, uh-huh. in Chicago where she came, she came from Northwestern. She went to Second City in Chicago and that got into modeling and acting. And like, so she was very young, right? And she had that, you can see it. Like I, my vision of Shelley Long is sort of like, mid 30s sort of like really beautiful thin face but already a face that is settling into adulthood Mm -hmm. what took me by surprise and cheers is she has a baby face and you don't think about it those early years you don't think about it except in close-ups because she already sounds like such an adult she sounds like such an adult from the very beginning and so intellectually like sharp but she's a baby face. Mm-hmm. And so she's also very young. And can you imagine the cognitive dissonance of being this woman from Fort Wayne, Indiana, and being thrust into the role of being an East Coast elite? Right. And all you have is your comic timing and your and the expectation of other people that you're supposed to be just a simple to deal with blonde lady. Like, I can't imagine how hard that would be. From everything I heard about Kelsey Grammer, when he first started on Cheers, he was supposedly like living in Santa Monica. And this is just what I've heard. I don't know. Wearing a poncho. Hey, everyone come (laughs) to my house. We'll have a party. Have a good time. Like, but yet he could be Frazier Crane and he went to Juilliard and yeah. you know everything so obviously a well educated guy and uh, guy. Where, where I'm gonna drop right in here yes is the idea that for Frazier and for Kelsey Grammer that was totally acceptable as a white man actor mm-hmm. you could 110% be a total hippie chilled out and then go on the set and be somebody different because no one could question that because that's acting right but if you were a woman in it's the early been, it's 80s. It's very funny watching Cheers at this moment in history yes. with Jenny Josephson. Because just hearing, let me tell you something. If Ted Danson had been difficult, if he had been a difficult actor, we mm-hmm. all know 
essentially that's not the case. But if he had been, quote, difficult, you never would have heard him described that way. He would have been insanely talented. They would have described him the way that they described. Are you talking about the difficult men theory? The, yeah. yeah. Okay. They would describe him like they described David Simon. They would describe him as a genius. They would describe him as a, huh. a this. They would describe him as that. At Shelley Long, they immediately called difficult. But she was uh, still probably fucking wacko, though. <laughs> right. That's what I'm talking about. So because the thing is, if, if, if Kelsey Grammer had not been the Santa Monica hippie with a poncho, but had actually been more like Fraser Crane, right. he would have still been called a genius. <laughs> and Shelley Long would have been called difficult because she was standing up given a pass in other words given up any uh-huh. white male actor would have been given a pass but the lead star female star of the thing who was supposed to be the the object of sexual desire the moral conscience of the show the crack comedic agitator in a way like a lot of the the first season mm-hmm. stuff comes from her wide-eyed like entry into the world of this bar and all the wrong, like you point out the wrong decisions that she makes. That's a lot of pressure for however the hell old she was that she's still young enough to have a baby face on cheers. I would be a bitch too. <laughs> but you Funny. know what's defend- like when I think- I'm defending Shelly Long. Look, about again, I, I wonder if you were working her. with her, you'd be like, I hate yeah. her. She's a sure. witch. hundred <laughs> no. percent. Absolutely. Because as a person, me, I want to work in an atmosphere. I don't want to work in an atmosphere where people are douches for no reason. But here's the thing I learned over my 20 years of working with people. Unless you're working with Hitler, nobody's a douche, like an evil person for no reason. Yeah. This is and what also I should be pointed out, Hitler, really good at <laughs> physical comedy. Oh, my God. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? Like, there's nobody who is the way they are in a set. But I think there are, I mean, again, uh, this is just the the information that I've got. Showrunner, for example. Yes. The reason the show, the insane showrunner trope is so true Mm -hmm. is people were fucking working. And this is what I always say about showrunners. They're working three jobs at once. They're working a writing job. They're working a directing job. And they're working a a post-production supervisor job. And dealing with network executives all the same time. The fact that, and actors, the fact that there is never, the fact that, that showrunners ever survive a show is amazing to me, right? So same for lead actors and actresses. Like, I, sorry, I'm going off on a rant, but I'm like, sorry. but but uh, when I hear difficult, I'll go get the tranquilizer gun. <laughs> <laughs> when I hear the word difficult, when it relates to a woman in a lead role, I have a whole different set of thoughts about Look, it. You know, these you'll, you'll have to excuse my wife, Patrick. She's difficult. <laughs> <laughs> I, I knew that was coming. I knew that was coming. And I, I hope I didn't mean to. to uh, I thought we were just going to talk about Norm. I, know. I, uh, I, I didn't mean to uh, put my foot in it. This is just because it's mostly it's like great. the actorly stories you, yes. you hear. And they're all like, true. oh my god, she's you know she's taking up all the time in the makeup room. Why are we here waiting? Uh, what is yeah. she doing in her dressing room? She won't come out. That kind of those stuff, are well publicized know? stories Absolutely. leading up to her departure of the show that I've only heard I second think, or third. That hand. I think right. was what to pursue a movie career or, or was yeah. that the main part of it it wasn't I think so. acrimony I mean, or who, I, I don't yeah, remember we don't exactly really know, but, I guess. but sure yeah. I mean I'm sure they were throwing money at her to come do but and literally all wanted. I can think about is a, as a young woman in inside that room she won't come out of like frantically going over her lines her delivery and trying to live up to Ted Danson's ball game 
Mm-hmm. That's what I think about. I think about like how you hard may be would that approaching be? it from like a human empathy, a humanistic like, standpoint. Than the people who was they were it, keeping was, waiting. Was Ted Maybe. Danson, uh, how much experience did he have at that point? Well, previous to that, it was probably just day day, day roles or, or like guest roles. Like I don't think I he knew had, he had been like in uh, eighty two. Hold I mean, on, Body Heat. I think right was that before Cheers oh, he, came he, out. He it was like eighty one. Yeah, yeah, he had a role in that. Hold on, the internet is. Thinking. I know Shelley did a theater, and um, one of the brothers said that they saw they went to a show at the Amundsen, which is a theater here downtown in L.A., and saw her there, and was like, "This, she's great. We should bring her in for Diane." Oh, and as wow. soon as they saw her, they were like, "Oh, she's great." You know, that's awesome. Yeah. All right, the really quick answer. The really quick answer is he was born in San Diego, which already gives him an edge. Okay, frankly, California if you're kid. A California kid, like you can see that in his acting, like that whole body, good looking like, guy, basically the Californians, right? His yeah. whole body language. Yes. Right. And he was a basketball star and he then he oh. went to Stanford uh, and he went to Carnegie Mellon. No and, kidding. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like, so, so you're already dealing with a really interesting character. And then he was on like a bunch of like the doctors and Somerset. And then he started getting into guest star appearances on Laverne and Shirley and Taxi. Oh, and- remember the Laverne and Shirley he? where he was a fireman That's right. who died. Did he? Yes, he died. Yeah. That and a, they played that, this. That was an emotional episode. I remember that too yeah. rare because yeah, usually the Gary Marshall shows didn't do yeah, that no although so, happy days we've talked about happy days yeah yeah, yeah. I don't want to tear you up get you teared <laughs> yeah, up and I, know, about the Fonzie Christmas I started episode. this podcast saying for me it's Sam Malone Fonzie yeah and Superman yeah so already what's really interesting is behind the scenes you're dealing with a Stanford educated basketball star from San Diego versus a young woman from a very small part of indiana who happened to make it to chicago and get into comedy and find her thing and then get thrown into this situation where everybody else knew more than she did by a lot anyway i'll shut up now we should get you and shelly long together to see if you get along oh i have no illusions (laughs) about life here's the thing Mm -hmm. i have no illusions about life with people hollywood has formed right 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 none but I always think about who they were before Hollywood formed That's them. That's true. That's a, that's a Well, when I think of one of the, the things I love about Diane yeah. is the same thing that they scored points off of Frasier for the for the longest time, which is they're they're sophisticated adults, but they act like five year olds, yes. you know. <laughs> yes, and it's just yes, a formula so that works like crazy. Yes. And you could say the same thing about Sam in the sense that he is not in the show as, as bright as her or as worldly as her, but he's running around acting like a kid. You know, and when you watch Modern Family now, it's like that's what they're doing. It's the same thing. Here are these that's people, amazing. they're wealthy, they're living in, you know, Los Feliz or wherever they're living, they have it all, but we don't hate them because they mess up. They make the wrong decisions. They make the wrong decisions. And um, I read a book called Elephant Box by a writer named Sheldon Bull, which I thought was really good. And he sort of, I never thought about this before. And he says, what is the function of sitcom, really? And what, what he wrote about was, we all make mistakes. We mess up our own lives. We get things wrong. There's a war between our logical selves and our emotional selves. We feel bad about the choices we make, the things we can't do. Well, when we watch Lucy or or Sam, you know, thinking about finding a date for Diane, uh-huh. they make all the all the worst choices too. Diane and Sam, we're going to do a marriage ceremony because we need to do it. Okay, that's logical, but they can't help themselves. They emotionally, they, they mess up, and at the end they go, oh, we couldn't figure it out. So they make us feel better. 
Oh, look at these oh people. They Their lives are totally a mess. They blew it. Look what he did. He sent Diane on a date with a crazy psychotic, and it made, <laughs> it made things 10 times worse. Right. Uh, and now we're feeling better about, I can't get out of the rut that I'm in. Oh, my girlfriend and I broke up, and I don't know why. Make oh, my job feel sucks. better about our first kiss. See? Yeah! <laughs> exactly. So that, to me, is so fascinating. Like, you are like a doctorate of sitcom. No, I didn't I didn't read that book until like ten years after I'd been doing it. But you know, like just follow you know, reading stuff you're interested in, watching shows and thinking about it from a different perspective, you're like, oh, okay. So Diane is this character who should know better. I mean if you think about the DNA of Cheers when they were talking about how they were creating it on this on this uh Link, you know, on on the museum of, uh, I guess it's the Emmy Museum thing, they were saying, well, the idea of this high-achieving woman who is basically a cocktail waitress, there's something really sad about right. it. Um, one of she the, has like six six different degrees. She was she was in six different majors. Like she can't quite figure it out, and yet mm-hmm. is, has this massive God, intelligence. The joke yeah. is on her. Yeah. You know, her writing mm-hmm. must not be that good. You know, her, her she's kind of boring. She can't get into the right circles. It, it's like uh, you know, waiting for Godot or something. Yeah. I mean, at, at the heart of it, one of the brothers refers to the gang on Cheers like sort of laughably as losers, and that's certainly what they were on Taxi. So we're looking at. You know, a show about a group of people who all have aspirations, but they can't seem to make it work. You know, Sam and mm-hmm. Diana as yeah. a couple, yeah, Norm, always there's something right? about the two of them. They want to be together. They could be together. They can't figure it out. And there's something that's great for comedy about that. And there's something that's really sad about it. I remember there's a moment, I don't want to spoil it for Jenny, la, 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 cover yeah. your ears, but where Diane's leaving the bar, I think it's season I don't know what season it is. I can't remember, but he says to her, "She's like, oh, I'm gonna, I'll be back in six months." And he says, "Have a nice life, yes, Diane." Yes, that's one of my and she favorite says, things. No, yeah. Well, don't say that. I'll be back in six mm-hmm. months. It's not a big deal. And leaves, and there's no one in the bar. And he says, "Have a nice life, Diane." You know, yeah, it's, that's one of my favorite moments. It's very yeah. tragic that they can't make it work because of their own emotions, and they they overwhelm themselves of their own flaws. It's like, I don't know. You know it, it's Taxi and it's Cheers, too. But is it possible that we've gone this whole episode and not talked about the most important woman on Cheers? Vera. At least to me. Oh. <laughs> I have this running joke. And this can, uh, as like, I, I, I know you have some thoughts, I believe, yes. on the Cheers theme song, too. Oh, uh, sure. But Jenny and I, well, we, when we've been re-watching this, never oh. fast forward, we watch each song because we like the way that it makes us feel that's a great song and it also, eases you into the show it eases into the show yep. there's a sense of calm that we we, we talked about the sense of calm that comes from watching cheers that more so than if you went and watched uh there are so many different favorite comedies that you could go watch mm-hmm. taxi is another show i get a sense same sense of calm so mm-hmm. it makes sense they share the same dna uh but there are a lot of shows you could watch where you could watch 10 of them and you'd feel a little frantic after wa- having watched that much like TV. Seinfeld. yeah yeah watch that much and you would uh but watching this many of cheers in a row there's something very easy about it but in doing that we've become quite familiar with the credits and so i'm on a quest it will continue for the rest of my life. <laughs> when, Who is that woman uh, in the op- when it says cheers? When it when it says cheers, yeah. and there are people walking on the, the street. First shot so, of the the credits, first shot on the credits. Before it goes to the 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 
before Bef- it goes to the before old it picture. goes to the photo painting. Okay, uh, there's there's a live shot and people are walking on the street and there's a woman walking. You can hardly see her. She's got black hair. She's in a blue dress. She's wearing a briefcase. And then it there's a crossfade and or a dissolve and she fades into. Uh, a, a woman in sort of mm. old timey clothes, but that woman is the only person other than Ted Danson who's in every episode of Cheers. So I'm wondering, does that woman know she's in Cheers? Yeah. Who is that woman? Is she dead? Is she alive? <laughs> when something like that happens and it's just people walking on a street, right? Uh, I, I could have been in the beginning of them? Cheers and not know it. You was know, it like, a stock shot? Yes. Was it yeah. the stock shot? What is it? And where did yeah. that stock shot come from? When was it shot? Who is that woman? Did you ever try to like this. wiki it or Google it to find not it? Not yet. yet. Okay. Not yet. We're sort of saving it. But here's an. Oh, go ahead. You had had some facts on well, the, again, the theme this song, is just right? from watching yeah. that thing. Um, one of the things they were saying is that uh, I think it was Glenn Charles said that he felt like you need sort of like a big up energetic theme song. You know, it's sort of like back in the old days. Uh, I was watching some like because I don't get out enough, the Jerry Lewis uh, movie with DVD commentary. And in the movies of the 50s, they would like have a big orchestra would sort of start your comedy, you know? Abbott and Costello, Dean Martin, Jerry Lewis. Absolutely. And he felt like that's what you kind of like want to wake people up and be like, get ready to laugh, you know? And Taxi, he didn't like their credits. They weren't running that show. I mean, they were running oh, it some of the writers' room in some years. Like, but they didn't have say over what the credits right. were. And the ta- the theme song to Taxi, we all know, that classic. It's very sleepy. He but was, it was like, sleepy, that's not yeah. what I want. I, yeah. Because that's kind of like a little melancholy and sad Very and much so, yeah. So when it came to Cheers, it was like, let's let's have like a big energetic sort of lift to the show that, that you start with. Um, and so uh, some of the arcane crap I know about the, the theme song, if you were, have you ever heard like the full song yes. with, with like the we other have verses to it? Yeah. 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 Like, like, yeah. You get out of bed, Mr. Coffee's dead. There's like all these <laughs> jokes in it. Like yes. your, your little angel. Your husband wants to be a girl. That's yeah. right. That's right. Which is also very of the moment. Of right? the moment. <laughs> so that's what they gave them. Yeah. And they, they were like, you know, these jokes are funny, but they're not going to be funny the fourth, twentieth, fiftieth time you hear them. Very true. Yeah. So let's just get generic kind of things that aren't funny, and then they'll work better in the credits. You know, they're not jokes. So, so they, they retrofitted those lyrics to the song to just be generic, so that you could hear them again and again and again. Sometimes they, they said you we, want, go. we like the song, but give us like give us a verse that we can use for the credits. That's just no jokes in it. That's just kind of straight. And that 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 will be our you know, that the lyrics that we'll that's use. That's crazy. Yeah. And the concept is, and I, I again, I'm an idiot. I never thought about this. It's one bar over the years. So it's that that was supposed to be Cheers, mm-hmm. dating back from you know whenever it starts 18... 1865 it says on the thing but I think they say that's a lie but anyway like the late 1800s to be sure and don't other right. we were saying don't other because Jenny on the uh, the sort of what do you call that for our podcast the picture you use is that the not the website but the 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 does it have logo no term? art the logo art <laughs> that's what it's called I should have known uh, <laughs> <laughs> It has to do with the real world, not Flanagan, not Mexican. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, 
that's why it, I'm here. It's it's a picture that will eventually be in the credits to Cheers, I think, because it's I remember that as an iconic picture that I think I saw from Comes Cheers. Later. So they add other images over the years. They to must, because like yeah. I, I'm guessing they, they have to make room for more actors, yeah. right? Yeah. More characters. Well, because Cliff's not in the credits right now. I think season two he gets a yep. he gets a, a credit. It's fun to see him slowly building up. You know what I mean? Like uh, like a little line by you line. You need a menage for your The writers falling in love with him slowly and using him more and more. But know? isn't it like to me? It's interesting to think about who these people are. They're always the butt of the joke. You know, it's like you you need to sort of get distant from your character. Like whatever, <clears throat> as Linda is fond of saying, you know. Whoever you hoist our, our brilliant showrunner, right, right, yes, uh, unstuck in the middle. Uh, you you hoist yourself on your, on your petard. So for, as from a comedy standpoint, you can just puncture it and sort of like, for lack of a better word, like massacre your character from being <laughs> right, up on their high right, horse. Right. Uh, I mentioned <clears throat> this episode where they bring Andy Andy back, and Diane is a, is a at first like terrified that this psycho is back in the bar and then you find out oh you know he he can't get work as an actor no one will give him a chance he's an ex-con he's trying to turn his life around now she's a bleeding heart who feels terrible for him who convinces everyone to give him a second chance they're gonna you know put on this show for him at the bar during which he snaps again and tries to kill her because they're doing Othello right (laughs) when I was first watching that episode I thought oh what's gonna happen is they're you know here they're gonna convince Diane Andy Andy's okay and then during the performance he's gonna freak out and and you know try to strangle her but they make it sort of more cruel for Diane she's got to hoist herself on her on her hard <laughs> yes, and yes, say yes. I was she's wrong got... give this guy a chance he's turning his life around <laughs> no one wants to have theater at cheers yeah. we, guys we need to do this <laughs> right, and you're right, just sitting right. there going my god they're just setting her up that healthy distance you need for your characters now Matt and I writing on Disney Channel show we don't generally do that with our characters I think kids no, might watch the show very, and uh, say protect I'm confused, yes. you know, why, why are, like, Harley on our show doesn't have the giant flaws that Diane has, where she doesn't <laughs> yes, see things coming, exactly. she's more of a straight up heroic character. Things happen to her. Things happen, now, sometimes she causes her own problems, right. but not quite in the same way that adult characters do on these wonderful shows, and you sort of laugh, and at the same time you go, oh my god, they think of her as a twit. Yeah. They think of her as a loser. Diane, they think of yeah. her Diane. They think of her as a stuffed Yeah, shirt. someone who doesn't completely fit in. Because yeah. that's the fun of it. You know, uh-huh. they think of Sam as like a He-Man caveman who, you know, isn't quite evolved enough to manage this relate to manage a relationship <laughs> with an intellectual that he wants to. <laughs> Just like Cliff thinks he knows it all. Norm thinks that he you know, can figure stuff out and get a job. He, he can't he's either. He's never employed. He thinks he's not jobs. an alcoholic, yeah. basically. Ah, uh-huh. uh, yeah. We talked a lot about that as the sort of like, uh, the buy-in you have to have with, with Norm is the guy is an alcoholic. Like, you know, like he, he falls Who's asleep like the bar. He's there every day. Who's like left his wife abandoned. <laughs> yeah. Right. You know, you love it, you know, about, like, yeah. but you have to, uh, that, that is the, the, the buy-in so from today. We've now talked on this episode alone for one hour. Oh my gosh. You wouldn't even know because we had so much fun. We had 
it's so much so fun. So before we wrap it up, because we're clearly going to have to have Patrick back. I'd love to be here. I'd be so happy Patrick to be back here. at the end of every season. At the end of every season. <laughs> yes. Because like, it, it's... I don't have anything to do on Saturday anyway. <laughs> right, right. So, uh, but I, I just want to get... And your weeks are easy. I want to yeah, get exactly. some, some last licks in. Is there anything, Patrick, that you wrote down? He Patrick has this incredible like notebook paper list of stuff he wrote down. I want to uh, make sure. He, Patrick has told a lot of uh, writer's room stories. If we get him back for the next one, I am going to implore him. He is one of the funniest writer's room. I'm talking about the, with you and your writing former writing partner. Oh, uh, uh, the, and, and the Tai Chi story? There is that, oh. and there is also the... Uh, I don't want to ruin the punchline of it. There's a great punchline in the end of it. Maybe I could just get you to tell it right now, because this is a TV podcast. It's a very short story. Okay. Oh, that one. That one. <laughs> that is a, that's a fun all right. story. All right. Well, all right. So here's what we're going to do. Patrick's going to take a quick look at his notes and yes. make sure there isn't anything he really wanted to say about the end of season one. And then we're going to end on the story. Okay. Well, I, you know, I would encourage anyone out there who's interested. It's a four hour interview with the Charles brothers. This I've I watched wanna, the first three watch, hours. Yeah. It's on like Google, like Les Charles interview, Glenn Charles interview. There's it, it's it's almost comically like. How nerdy do you want to get the the, the kid talking to them? I, I wish he did a good job. I wish he was a little bit more on their wavelength. But he's literally like, "What is your middle name?" Yeah. <laughs> like how? Like why is that going to be relevant to anything yeah. we want to know? But watch that if if you're if you've seen all the Cheers and you haven't seen Best of the West, it's on. They're on YouTube. Someone out there is putting them on YouTube. Wow. It's fun because it's a lot of the Cheers writers. Best of the West. It's it's actually funnier than I remember. Um, one funny thing that I found out, well, the environment on Cheers in the writer's room, uh. um, supposedly was stuffy. Uh, the Charles brothers, the, the uniform blazers. Do you know where it was? Slacks. You know, well, I know they shot on stage 25 at Paramount. Okay. Um, so there are buildings right around there that are sort of like old looking bungalows, Adjacent, office yeah. buildings. Been around there. Right. I don't know exactly where the Cheers writers were, but I'm guessing they were somewhere close to, to that area. Right, right. But um, it supposedly was, Blazers, again, just saying what I've men. heard. Yeah. Men, oh, absolutely. White men yeah, all as white well. Men. But a very sort of country club atmosphere, you know, loafers, blazers, slacks. Uh, when I think about it from the impression that I get is almost like someone, and this is just maybe me, with like a smoking jacket and an ascot, like writing a detective novel. You know, <laughs> yeah. like oh they, they, they know what they're doing clinically, but like on our show, Stuck in the Middle and most writers' rooms I've been on, it's guys in shorts and Spider Man t shirts. Who and, it? You know, exactly. It's <laughs> the sloppy, answer is always it's crazy. Matt, it's loud. Way. Yes. Uh, you know, any are, show where that would eventually hire somebody named Fife Sutton. Yes. Would have to have an atmosphere like that. <laughs> yeah, very like um, Bostony, like Boston. Well, they were they, the brothers are from Las Vegas. Supposedly, now they're oh. they're uh, their family is Mormon. God, I know too much information. Really, but but it just surprised me to hear that the environment over there was kind of formal. stuffy, formal. Yeah. Uh, they would do these um, season-ending dinners at Chasen's. Which is ah, now that Bristol famous, Farms yes, over yes, at Beverly and Domingue. Jason's was still here when I moved here. Yeah, I wish I, I, I don't. I came out here in '98. Me too. It, it still might have been here we at that. Came point. out here at the same time. Cool. I was, I was in October of '98. 
I was I was like uh, summer. Okay. Summer. Wow. But they wow. would do these dinners where wrap dinners where they would expect everyone to do a toast. Like get up, they would have toasts and they would expect the writers. You, you know, have it's to a have very prepared your toast and though. be That's funny, I'm pressure. sure. And a lot That's of people lot of are pressure. not comfortable with oh public God. speaking. As a person in terms of going to parties, that would have terrified me of the course. idea of doing that. And also I would have been very, very I would have spent days on it, you know? Like, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, to, like just that kind of atmosphere. Yeah was surprising to me, you know, and again, I think very male. I mean, the only woman who really cracked it in the beginning, as far as I know, Heidi Perlman, yep. Rhea's right. sister, yep. uh, who I'm sure... And she went on, Jenny said, to do Frasier, right? And yeah. Other, yeah. Oh, yeah. She went on to do a bunch of uh, writing, like legit stuff. But yeah. Sure. Can you imagine what life was like in the writer's room for her? Yeah. Uh, Catherine Green also yeah. gets a credit in a first season episode. She went on to, to do a lot of stuff too. Hmm. But um, yeah, back then, I, I, I don't think diversity was a big deal. I think uh, no, it's there just is funny. You know, you think not like, a character of color that speaks. Yep. For yes. until we, the bar until the bar up is the barmaid contest when one of right. the bar made ladies in the contest is african-american that's the first time an african-american has a significant speaking line on cheers it's like several episodes in here's right. a puzzler for 12. you it, 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 having seen all the episodes was there ever a significant oh i just thought of one uh i was going to ask was there ever a significant african-american uh, uh actor on cheers and then i remembered saint uh cliff had a mailman friend who was a big, tall, like mean Joe Green, like right. really, really like muscular uh, mail carrier. And uh, I think they. they uh, but in terms yeah. of the lead cast, he brought him around. Surrey. He brought him into the bar yeah. to defend him from a guy who was bullying him. And they probably yeah. cast that guy because of his size, maybe. Yeah. Too, you yeah. Know? Yeah. No Asian actors, no African-American actors, no Hispanic uh, actors. Yeah. It was yeah. just a different thing. Different back time. then. It's hard to believe. I'm so fascinated that a show that is so funny would be written in this sort of like a little which sounded like a little bit of a and I could be wrong again I don't know I mean do they eat pastrami sandwiches at midnight like so many other writers rooms do right. but is a little bit on the kind of showing can you imagine if anyone showed up at stuck in the middle in a blazer well, slacks and loafers on Monday yeah I can't imagine. Well, or I on any show you show ever worked on, on Monday in a on any show I can't no I can't. it just wouldn't happen it just wouldn't happen <laughs> um so and again the way that the that safe distance you have to have it would be, be a bit You'd be playing some kind of character if you showed up. People in a would, everyone like, would just make fun of you for the you rest of the funeral? day. Yeah. yeah, that would that that would be that. All right. So I would first of all, can you just tell us how you met Shelley Long so we don't leave that outstanding? My wonderful writing partner Erica and I were on yesteryear, um, and we wrote an episode about new neighbors, and they ended up casting Alan Thicke and Shelley Long. <gasps> oh my god. <laughs> And uh, I talked to Matt a little bit about this. There's something weird that happens sometimes. I don't know if you've ever experienced it, where if you approach someone from a level of super fanboy or super fangirl, like, oh my God. They can you, you Exactly. They kind of creep back from you. So I kind of waited and I... I, I you know, had my moment where I got to talk to Shelly before run through or something or after. And I said, you know, my God, it's just such a thrill to meet you. Like, you know, cheers is the re like 
the reason I, I'm from New York that I like probably moved to California and you know your line readings are just in my head and they taught me like the rhythms of comedy and you're so wonderful and she was sort of like thank you and okay and I was like you know it's hard to transition from that into like hey have you been to craft service and <laughs> they have good muffins over there you know you, 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 you can it's not quite you I don't know what you're looking for when you have a moment like that, when you meet someone who's a real hero of yours and who's been in your consciousness for like 20 years or more. I would be the same way. I, it's I hard. Don't know how, to how do, do it. you, yeah, how do you do it? Much I mean, that. writers have yeah. problems talking to actors anyway, generally <laughs> yeah, I speaking. I don't talk to any of our actors. I'm so shy. I feel like, uh, I feel like I'm in high school and the awkward one when I'm around the actors. I on know. Our show. I know. <laughs> I think that's the reason I stopped taking pictures with famous people. Cause like, my dad runs a radio studio in New York City. It's our third bedroom in his apartment is a functioning public radio level studio. So he had famous people coming in there all the time. Anne Hathaway, mm. uh, God, Ed Bradley used to come in there all the time. Mm. And the one picture I wanted to take for some reason, the one that I finally broke through the wall with, was Greg Kinnear. Huh. I don't know why I loved Greg Kinnear. But I took a picture, and then when the picture was, by the way, developed, which for all you millennials out there is what you used to have to do <laughs> to get a picture. Before you went to Mimeo. Before yeah. you went to Mimeo. Mimeo, after Mimeo you developed. But before digital, you yes. had to give Between your Mimeo film and away yes. and then get it back. And the look on Greg Kinnear's face was so like putting up with it. Uh, and it was nice. He was smiling. It was fine. But he was like, okay, I'm putting up with it. Never did it again. Never mm, wanted a picture with a famous person again. Because I was like, why would I? What is the value of this for me? The other thing is you realize they're just people. Like yeah. we had this not so great joke in the script that week where um, it was some sort of insult that she said to Anthony Clark, uh, what do you wear your socks at the beach? You know, like, I don't know, it was something right, like that. Right. You know, it was fine, whatever, that she couldn't get that joke. I don't know whether it was the mental place she was in, because I've heard she's a very difficult woman, Jenny. I uh, know. Uh, but, it, it, or whatever, she, that was a, like, a not great joke yeah. that most day players could land. Right. She just couldn't get it. I mean, she just couldn't find the rhythm of it. And you're sort of like, that's so that's huh. so weird. You've seen, it's like it's like a, 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 a seeing an Olympic gymnast, um, um, and then suddenly had them having trouble walking down a curb, right? You know, after they've been on the balance beam, and you've seen them do flips and jump around. Yeah, and like so know? much goes into it. You know, they're just human beings. You don't know about the place she's in mentally, physically, spiritually, whatever's going on with her. Uh, did, did she want to be there, not want to be there with something? You know, they're just people. They need your help. Yeah. Too. You know, yeah. it's all a collaboration. And that's the thing. Like, I no longer I have this like thing. Like, even when we go to a wedding and there's someone famous at the wedding, like we went to one of our friends weddings and and someone that we went to school with was there who is now a very famous actress. And I, and, Carrie Washington. Thank yes. You. And she I doesn't want to say it. Would she, I'll say it. Could she? I always could say she it. be here on the next Cheers uh, recap? You think she would come down here? And do it? <laughs> We've we, never asked. We've dreamed like, of having her on a podcast. For tell it anyway. Yeah. It's like for tell it anyway. We were building up and wanting to ask Carrie to come do it, and then we, we felt like we had to shows. build up a certain amount. Wow, and then she's we fell awesome. Off the wagon and didn't but do it. But I found myself next to her at the wedding, and I was like, oh shit because mm -hmm. i didn't know her we went to the same <laughs> oh, school together shit. but i didn't know her <laughs> and so i didn't have like the pre-carrie washington experience that they all do right and all of our friends that went to school with her and so 
but I was like inexorably standing next to her for a significant period of time. And so I made it through, but I was like, what on the God's green earth are we going to talk about right. without the one person we know in common or any of the other people we know this in common? This one, pleasant friend acquaintances with Steve Carell. I and, uh, know, but that's yeah. the thing. Yeah. What the... F- it, once you... Like you can't break through after unless you're working with someone. And that is the bottom line. Because if right. anybody walked into this office at any point, they would get, I would be working with them for the brief amount of time. Like you, we're right. working together. Yes. Right now. And so then it's okay. Okay. Then we're working together and we have something to talk about. But I really like that whole thing with famous people. It should just remain in your head. And all you should give them, it's like when you see a famous person at the movie theater, mm-hmm. just let them go to the movies. It's the greatest gift you can give I them. think there's like, uh, I don't know about you guys, but like, who are the people that you would break? Like if you have a saw story. a person okay. knowing everything you just said, okay. that you yep. would feel like, there's only I've one. got, there's only one. Man, no, hold on, here. hold on. Do you know yeah. who it is, Matt? Uh, I don't mean to put Matt on the spot. No, for Jenny. is... Oh, do I know Jenny's? Yeah. yeah. Do you know the story I'm about to tell? You probably don't. Because like, uh, she said there's only one person. There's only one person who I've done that to oh. in recent, out being out here. Jenny's is Julio Iglesias. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Julio Am Iglesias. I, the only person that I ever went up to and bothered in their real life to tell them what I thought of them was Richard Schiff when he was on, right after oh. he was on the West Wing, who played Toby Ziegler. And the only reason oh, I did it wow. really was because he was with his daughters. Like he had his young daughters are at the Burbank airport. They were getting their luggage. It was like that waiting time. And I just thought like, I wouldn't say this to Shelley Long or Ted Danson. I wouldn't do it. But I would say it's a character actor, Richard Schiff mm. with his daughters. Who doesn't hear it every five minutes. Who may at that point, this was like 06. So it was like, after the West Wing was huge and after the show was over, but his daughters were just old enough to recognize their dad. Da- like, sure, they probably heard it every day, but to me, telling someone how much I admired That's their nice. work meant more for the daughters to hear it than for me to say it to the guy. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's the only person I like. Ever if bugged. he was by himself, I probably wouldn't have bothered him. Uh huh. Because then it would have been about me connecting with Richard Schiff. But I know how I felt when people would come up to my dad and say how they listened to him on the radio yeah. and how much he meant to them and blah blah blah. That was meaningful to you. It was meaningful to me as a daughter, and so that is the time that I would go up and break that wall of like, please just let me get my baggage and get out of the Burbank airport. Mm-hmm. And of course, he was like, couldn't have been. Now, nicer. what would the Cheers writers have done in a, in a, in a similar situation where Diane makes a big deal out of the thing is I'm uh, happy to go over to someone when they're with their daughters you have to approach them that's the time they go you'll hoist her up there yeah, she goes over like, get out of my face i'm trying to get my plane you stupid idiot. or worse in front of my daughter would, yeah. no worse they Daddy wouldn't have scared. been his daughters yes, like that it would have been something where like or it would have been like i don't know you could think of like 10 different things and like that's amazing but you're right like in life that's just a moment where i walked off and felt good and they felt however and he, they felt. he took it well he and said thank you so nice huh. he's so nice because he's just generally speaking like all accounts like a nice person right now when brad when i was at a party in election year 2008 and i met bradley whitford mm. i didn't say shit because everyone around me all the women were like ah! 
And I was like, this guy's married and lives in Pasadena. What are you doing? And then I like faded. And so anyway, that we have just gone on to this week in the West Wing, which is already a podcast. <laughs> okay. I just want to hear, I want to wrap up because it's getting warm and we're now at an hour and 16 minutes. Yes. I would like to hear your story that Matt... <laughs> oh, Matt a has affection story. for the story. Uh, I love this. My it terrific first writing partner, Eric, uh, we were out here, I think our the first, uh, the second season of Yesteryear, but our first season on the show, which was a, a show that ran on CBS that is not, it's hard to find now because, I don't know, they never put it out on DVDs. It's syndicated somewhere, but it was a great experience. And um, we were, our script was up that week and we were figuring it out. And Eric... Uh, like fell and broke his leg. Oh my God. Like on the lawn in front of the writer's bungalow. <laughs> and they were like an ambulance came and they were like carting him off into the ambulance. And he turned to me and said, save the B story. <laughs> <laughs> I can just imagine this guy being pulled yeah. onto the stretcher into the ambulance. Yeah. Fight for the B story. Yeah, fight for the B story. <laughs> save the B story. Which actually and, ended up and being also like, significant yeah. because there are no B stories in the first season of Cheers. Oh my God. That's true. That's true. Oh my God. And that's how you know that Patrick McCarthy is Mr. Television. <laughs> Wait a minute. Uncle Milty is Mr. Television, okay? Yeah, but you're our Mr. Television. Okay. Uh, among the three of us, maybe. Yes. Maybe. And Jack. And Jax. You are really our connection to a very high level experience of making television for me. You're many one years. degree of Cheers in, in the sense that you worked with writers who worked in the Cheers. Writers you know, room, it's such right? a small industry, don't you find, that like if you're lucky enough to work for a while, um, you know, you, you work with people. But yeah, uh, Dan Staley is a, became a dear friend of mine, is a dear friend of mine. Uh, he was our. Uh, showrunner on Good Luck Charlie and um, worked on Cheers with his partner Rob, his writing partner Rob, who's mm. terrific. And Tom Anderson is great, um, a good, really good friend of mine. They're, they're all terrific. They came to Cheers, I think, around 89 or 90. Um, so, yeah. Amazing, and then, right? you know, Smack I just forced in myself the, in the into Rebecca the, years, right? the Rebecca years, yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, just forced myself into meeting the Charles. And by the way, hilariously, totally, like, was an idiot in front of them because <laughs> I used to work. That goes with meeting your celebrity yeah. stories. That's like, that's don't a good do thing it. to end like, on. Just, just don't, don't do, do it. If you're given the chance, all 11 of you out there, just yes. smile quietly and walk on walk by. Walk the other way. Just, just give, was, give them the thumbs up. What was the up. biggest way that you knew that you had? <laughs> well, I, I used to work at the Museum of TV in New York. That was before I got into, I think, any production work. That's amazing. And my job was people would like come to the library and I would say, you should, you want to watch something funny? You should watch The Odd Couple where they try to, where they're monks and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> if you I can believe it. it. Oh you know, my that was my God. job. So, and, recommendations. Yeah. <laughs> and um, they would, we would have guests come in sometimes, like Carol Burnett or someone like that. And they would have uh, a theater where you know the public could buy tickets, and uh, you were like a page basically. And the president of the museum at the time had this uncanny gift for when it was time to open up with questions, picking someone, whoever they picked would be like a, a horrible mess, and they, <laughs> they would get up 
yes, uh, uh, Miss Burnett, and they would never get to the question. Right. It's they would still go, the same. You know, I used to watch a show and, yeah. with my grandmother, and I was six, and she was 70, and we lived in Ohio, and she used to make lasagna, and it was like, what the <laughs> hell are you talking about? And Carol would sort of sit there and be like, I want to kill myself now, and it would just be awful. So I was like, okay, I cannot do that. When I, If I get to ask the Charles Freddie <laughs> Freddie, I cannot this is, this do is that. This is a Cheers episode. It's a Cheers episode. <laughs> not going to do that. No. There's one thing I'm not oh, going to do. I, it's I this. I feel awful. And it's, it's on like, tape. It's like if Diane go, running for Miss <laughs> Boston Barman. Yes, if Boston you go Barman. to the Museum of Television and pull up like Charles Brothers, James Burroughs thing, seminar, I'm on there asking them a question. <laughs> and what happened was I was on the show at the time where we were like joke monkeys. Yeah. And I love, you know, writing TV is like, it's fun, it's, it's hard to do, whatever. But I like to sort of get through the whole thing to figure out the story you're telling, make the choices, what are your characters doing? On this show at the time, we were like joke monkeys. They would stick you in a room and you would just write jokes all day, jokes all day, jokes all day, jokes all day, jokes all day. It was just, you didn't know what the what the hell machine you were feeding or whatever. And it was so soul Sacrificing to the joke god. <laughs> it was just so numbing, you know? You, you took no pride in anything right. you were doing. So I didn't anyway. That was when I took the day to go to Cheers. And so what was in my head was, nowadays when you're writing on a show, it's three jokes a page, three jokes. When you guys did it, it, was, it wasn't that way. You did these long scenes. And it, I ended up talking more from like frustration about how modern comedy, you have to sort of be funny all the time. And you you can't play long scenes. And back, like, I talked more than they did. And I was like, I want to kill myself. And Steve Levitan, who I've never met, was moderating. Oh, for Modern Family. Oh, yes. Wow. Yeah. And um, so and I was, like, making the, a jerk of myself. He's like the myself. 10 jokes a page guy. Well, I, maybe that was part of it. And he was sort of fun. And he was like, all right, you've said enough. Like, sit down. Yeah. But... I mean, obviously, he's a wonderful writer. And on Modern Family, they, they do play emotional yeah. scenes and real yeah, scenes. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. But I think a little bit, it was like my frustration of what was going on with me at the time. I, I And I was so happy to be talking to them. Like, holy shit, yeah, when unless Charles are looking heroes. at me. Like, yeah. I, I've cracked I've cracked it. I, I was this kid in Mount Vernon watching, like, Cheers on my little television. <laughs> and now I'm, like, talking to the Charles brothers. like I, I And Jimmy Burroughs as well. Like, this is nuts. But I frigging did it. I made a sh- mock out of myself while I was talking to them and it's all on tape at the Museum of Television if you want to see me look like an idiot uh, but it went over fine they were like oh you're very sweet I'm glad the show meant a lot to you they told me the nuggets that I told you guys yeah. last episode that you know they like to play scenes for real and the reasons they did and the other thing that occurred to me was they were always interested in being funny on Cheers, I think more so than Taxi. Taxi, mm-hmm. I think, on Cheers, even in Taxi that- Taxi had a 70s vibe where yes, nothing definitely. was good, right? Yes. And so they really were able they to weren't take afraid that. To That's probably true. New York yes. 70s, nothing was good. That's probably very true. And, and yet Boston in the 80s is- Slightly different. They wanted to give it, and maybe it was because the eighties was the eighties too. A little more optimistic, like a yeah. little more of a comic place. They, yeah. they they didn't quite go as down as they did mm-hmm. on Taxi. So when they did have a long moment without a laugh, they would puncture it with a big laugh. They did it on Taxi too, but I think on Cheers more often. Yes, they 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 played the comedy of it and were interested in the comedy of it. Well, there's no better place to end than, Jesus than that. Jesus oh Christ. Yes. From, from, well, a, from a little boy I, watching uh, 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 Cheers on a little television God, in Mount Vernon. I think we have destroyed the concept 
of where everybody knows you're lame. <laughs> I think we're no longer allowed to say it. We're Outside this show. room, people must think I'm lame, though, for knowing this. <laughs> no! The middle no, names no, of the no, Charles no, brothers. No! All right. I, so, uh, I think we have actually fulfilled the mandate of let's talk about Cheers to its highest level and Yay. should now yes. shut this podcast well, down. You guys made this awesome oh, and fun. <laughs> Thank you, Patrick McCarthy, so much for just your intelligence and your knowledge and your kindness to Matt Flanagan and as a as a co-worker which we are really you, grateful Patrick, for. Thank you seriously so much for dealing with my difficult wife. <laughs> I know that it was hard. We know women in Hollywood can be difficult <laughs> and we do our best to go the other way. <laughs> but you know Cut what's cool is that like if this were just me and Matt talking yeah. about Cheers it would be like oh remember the one with they like you you give a whole different perspective. Absolutely, do. you know, yep. coming at it from a different place, a female place, and just thinking about things in a different way. I, I love it. And it's it. been I valuable it. at this time and place watching these episodes. Well, I think someday maybe we should get some women in those writers' rooms. <laughs> <laughs> that would be nice, as having my wonderful female writing partner. Yeah, that's right. And my wonderful female boss. Yeah, Linda. that's true. Actually, I will say that you, Matt, have probably worked. For more women showrunners, I've always had good experience. Well, the, not always, except for one. But I've almost always had good experiences with female showrunners. Yes. Yeah. Well, actually, if you think about your career, when have you not had a female showrunner with like? I've, other than Letterman, it's not. true. Letterman, and you had a half a team that was there was one guy who was the co-showrunner. Of, oh yes. Yeah. But so you have always, that is a real mark from going from the Charles Brothers blazer room yeah. to rooms you may have worked in to where all your showrunners have been women. Yes, absolutely and I think true. That, except for Letterman and, well, you know, fuck them. <laughs> 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 so, yeah. So I think, you know, the legacy of Diane Chambers, strong, powerful. God bless her. Takes no, takes no guff But lady. isn't it funny that, like, when I think of Diane, I think of her from the, like, hilarious, endearing, wonderful, lovely, all the colors Shelley Long brought to her. But like a ninny, a twit, a stuffed shirt, a know-it-all, right. all the comic flaws right. that made her so explosively funny. Yes. And and letting her emotions get away from her, always, you know, to, to chaos and not understanding how her own feelings are. And you're relating to her for all kind of different reasons. You're seeing her as a strong person, a strong woman. She asks for what she wants and all these things. And she's always on the right side of the moral issue. That uh, is not, true. not always, but like in a when it's a social issue. Yeah. She's she, always she, the one. She elevates yeah. the uh, the culture at the bar. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and that's what I see. All right. Thank <laughs> you. Everybody. Thank you. Thanks for hanging with us. Thanks, guys. And, uh, we'll be back Thank next you. week. Yeah.